Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 57 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we're going to be talking about building an audience for broader projects. But first... What are we drinking, Alex? What are you drinking? What are you drinking? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Blue Moon, Belgian White. Oh, Ooh. Ooh. Racist. Nancy, what are you? What are you drinking? We had a little get together for uh, Bree and his wife's, uh, Bree and his wife, Alex and his wife's uh, mm-hmm. baby. And since Bree, his wife was unable to drink champagne, the rest of us drank champagne. So I have the champagne of beers, Miller nice. Light. Yes. Another highlight, I should say. Another highlight. Look at this little koozie, isn't it? I've never seen a koozie for tall for uh, glass bottles. Look at that. Nice. Look at that okay. little koozie. Keep I it like nice that. and cold. So I'm drinking the highlight. I'm drinking the highlight of the champagne of beers. Uh, brings me back to my days. I've had kegs of this in my kegerator so many times. Ah, uh, just uh, getting weepy-eyed just thinking about it all. So good. And we should absolutely That's mention delicious. that this episode's beers yeah, beer. were brought to us by listener Brandon Hammett. Thank you, Brandon. Brandon. Yeah. Thanks, first. Brandon. Thank you so much. And more importantly, thanks for listening. Absolutely. So much. The beer, yeah. But even more so, thanks for being a listener. Appreciate exactly. it. Exactly. It's all for you guys. All, right. all for the listeners. Uh, we do. Uh, we sacrifice so much <laughs> for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so many pounds put on. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest <laughs> sacrifice because of how big I am. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we'd also like to yeah. give a shout out to listener Mitch Fox, who provided the topic for today's episode. And if you'd like, Mitch, yeah, Mitch, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, go ahead and reach out to us directly in the Fearless Filmmakers community. You can message us, uh, you can leave a comment in the No Budget Filmmaking group inside the community, or you can message the entire community with it if you want. But yeah, hit us yeah. up right in there at fearlessfilmmakers.com. I feel that we're pretty approachable on Fearless Filmmakers, so don't be shy, guys. Don't be yeah, shy. Don't be shy. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll make sure that your questions are answered if they so if they so pique our interest, but most of them do. So go ahead. Start asking stuff. But exactly. now it's the – because there's nothing else new going on with us. Is there anything else new going on with us other than your impending fatherhood coming up? Mm, we're writing stuff, but other than that, that's not new. No. We're always we're- always writing stuff. Alex is in the middle of a horror film. I'm in the middle of a horror film, and now also pivoting to a sci-fi horror. Sci-fi horror, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Action. Yeah. Sci-fi zombies. horror action. Yeah. Yeah. Drama. Yeah, so we're always doing stuff. Know. Yeah. Oh, there's always romance. All of it. Two star-crossed lovers. All so. Hit every. The if you hit every genre, no one will not like it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that is what we're going for. We just barricade ourselves in and fill it with all types of genres mm-hmm. and it's a period piece that is sci-fi a romance yes chick, absolutely um yeah. in the vein of hangover yep that has some adventure yeah some action some mise-en-scene mise-en-scene some vignettes we, a slice of life guys yeah slice of life uh coming of age all the above nailed it Movie. And today we're going to talk about how we can find an audience for that movie. So broad. Yeah. Okay. So easy. So we're going to do our little question card so you can learn more about us, oh, no. even though Trust nobody. <laughs> yeah. When things start stepping up again, these question cards will go away unless you really like them. No, they won't. And we're going to actually have new everyone, news for you. Everyone likes these cards, Trevor. Get over it. I don't think people like it that much. I, don't, I really don't. I know. Okay, has really killed my self-esteem with this podcast. Oh, he really did. He really did. Killed us. Uh, okay. Screw you. Here's the uh, question for today. Pulled from unseen before now. Pulled from a deck of cards of questions. All right, go ahead. Here we go. Oh, who'd play you in a movie? Ha. <sighs> huh. Okay. So in my thinner days, <laughs> my thinner days. Yeah. Yes. I always, especially in middle school, people always said I reminded them of Chandler. So Matthew Perry could be one. Yeah. Uh, but he's older than me. Sure. Then in after college, uh, I got a lot of. Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Okay. Interesting. So those are like the ones that like resemble me. I don't know their personalities outside of the, the screen. So I don't know if their personalities are not similar to mine. But according to my wife, nowadays, Bert Kirshner. <laughs> oh, God, he'd be great. Uh, two Bears, One Cave. If you don't know him, listen to that podcast. It's great. He does it with Tom Segura. I hope I'm saying his last name. I listened to his special 
and Kreischer, I think. Bert is Kreischer, right. Kreischer. So Bert Kreischer, that's that's who played me in a movie. Me and him like to party, like to drink. Even though we have kids, he's slightly overweight. Uh, I don't have the beard, and according to my wife, he's annoying and obnoxious like I am. So <laughs> perfect. Yes. Perfect so casting. See you guys, why we make fun of my wife on this podcast because she takes every opportunity she can to make fun of me. She just yeah. She just can't hold back. Fully um, deserved. So that's me. Bert nice. Kreischer. I like it. Let's see. Can't wait to hear this one. I feel like. Oh God! I, I want to know if Alex is going to tout himself up or uh, self-deprecating humor. Here it goes. There's two options for me as well, based on my my past as a much slimmer fellow. But the we f- do the weight gain for our fans. Yeah, exactly. Remember, remember. It's all for the podcast for the fans. Yep. I like to drink my calories now. Yep. I would Who say does? either. Okay. Fat okay. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. I can see that. I can see okay. that Ben Affleck. He's a little older than me, out. for sure. But yeah, but yeah. But c- this it is could like, happen. You know, where your life is going to go. Yeah. Or Jason Siegel. Wait, wait, Jason Siegel. That's a good one. Yeah. You don't have to say fat Jason Siegel because. <laughs> depending on the depending, I don't know what he's like these days. Who knows? Yeah. He's pro- he's living yeah. off animation money. He probably doesn't. Is he really? What's he, what animations he's got? The, what are they called? The Gru. The Minions. That's Jason Siegel? I thought so. Who do you I think he was? I think he wrote it. I think he created it. Did he write that? No, he did not. Did he not? Did I make that up? Oh, if he did, that's like hitting the the fact that like Knights of the Museum was written by Officer Dingle. What was it? Uh, Tom, oh, yeah. Tom Lennon. Tom Lennon. Jack Wait, hold Bob. on. I got to see this. Yeah, you got to look like, it up. Writer. As a writer, he wrote Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Get Him to the Greek, the Muppets, the five-year engagement, sex tape, and dispatches from elsewhere. Get mm. out of here. Okay. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> he was a voice in Despicable Me. He was? Yeah. Who was he? Uh, I don't, I've never seen Despicable Me crazy enough. I'll probably watch it now that I have a son. Uh, Vector? I don't know who Vector is. Oh. Yeah, I totally know who Vector is. Of course you do. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I know. So, yeah, no, he did not write them. I thought he was. Now, I though. thought he was part that company illumination entertainment i thought that was his company for some reason but i guess not no i don't think so that'd be crazy though that would be crazy all right hey jason siegel why don't you get into animation that would be the way to go obviously hey jason siegel how would you come on our podcast and defend yourself (laughs) on what you're doing right now what you're doing because we threw threw a lot out there and you have to defend yourself my my friend but going back to fat ben affleck there was a fat ben affleck stage wasn't there like like I want to say, sadly, it was when he was dealing with alcoholism, but there was a movie he was fat Ben Affleck. He, he fluctuates. He's got, he's got some girth and, and certain, like even, okay, so it's not fat Ben Affleck, obviously, it's like ripped Ben Affleck, but in the Batman movies, he's got some size to him, but it's not like, he's got mass, as you would say. So here's the question. In the interest of, like, the fact that basically... You got all movies have to have a low budget these days. Yeah. Lower the budget as much as you can. What you're saying is because they don't want to pay for the makeup, the the tattoo remover makeup on his back, his garish dragon tattoo. You're going to get a dragon tattoo so that it's realistic to the story that he has one as well. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to change my current dragon tattoo is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a Pete's dragon tattoo while his is, is like a phoenix. It's a, it's a phoenix rising up. Have you you see you know the you know the back tattoo, right? I don't know that I do, but good for him. Oh my god! No, type in Ben Affleck back tattoo. Do it right now. I want you to do this right now. This is like this, like this is why Funbot hates us. But you know what? Screw you, Funbot, because we're having fun. Ben um, Affleck back, back tattoo. tattoo. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm so glad I was here for you to discover this. Yeah. Oh my god! It's huge. <laughs> it's not a tiny tattoo at all. No, it's not like a tramp stamp. It is the entire back. It is the whole back. It's not a dragon either. It's a phoenix rising. That's true. It is a phoenix. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misspoke on what his garish back tattoo is. But wow. There you go. That's, that's intense. I didn't know. Wow. Again, I could just say that I am so happy that I was here for you to discover this. Like, I'm so happy I was a part of this the whole discovery of this horrible back tattoo. But, it's yeah, just so big. It. It's so big. Right? It's Honestly, so big. though, like, 
it's it goes along with my personal feelings about tattoos in a way which is it's just in the wrong spot yeah (laughs) go big or go home because like like would you rather be that guy where someone's like oh you have a tattoo let me see it and you have like a tiny little heart on your shoulder or something it doesn't have to be a heart it could be something small that's not a heart okay okay it's like a bloody knife on your shoulder that's, that's like an inch. Yeah. Or would you rather be the yeah. guy that has sleeves? Of course you would. I'd be the guy I went all really. Let's ask Zach hair if he if he, how he's go. got all the uh, sleeves. But he's also in Vegas, so everyone just assumes he's a douchebag because he has sleeves and he lives in Vegas. Maybe that's where my thoughts about sleeves come from. My Vegas days, because I personally would yeah. much rather have sleeves than like a single tattoo. Hell no. I, I would much rather I would much yeah I couldn't do sleeves I could not do sleeves I just but what I also can't do is the random tattoos that are all over the place where they all are like like oh yeah it's like someone it's like, has a taco that's like right next <laughs> to like a spaceship and you're like what is this ha- yeah. what is this what is the story this that this is, is telling this is this, this I I would I would say if I'm gonna get a tattoo I'm gonna go all out and do like a, a bigger tattoo that has multiple things in it rather than just one here and then one there one there who knows I don't know I don't have any tattoos yet. Maybe someday. Yeah. These are all critiques on tattoos from two people that have zero tattoos. That's correct. And on a podcast about no budget filmmaking. I know. <laughs> Screw you, Funbot. Maybe I'll go maybe I'll go dragon tattoo. Oh my god, please do. And let me film it film the process. It'll be fifteen videos because how many times you'll have to go to the tattoo parlor. <laughs> I know. It, actually oh, man, it'd no, be fifteen it'd be fifteen videos just to get them to like actually start. Because I'd be a chicken yeah. out each time. They're like, no. Okay, we're tracing the stencil on your back. <laughs> like, okay, whoa, whoa, hold on. Let's oh, think about that hurt, this. That hurt. That hurt. That hurt a lot. I know. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Gotta, what are the gotta, chemicals gotta, you're gotta, putting gotta. on me right now? Uh, should I wait until I lose some weight because then it won't stretch? Like, well, yeah. uh, maybe I'll come back later. And, uh... If I lose weight <laughs> after I get a tattoo, will it look better? Scrunched up like an old man's tattoo. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's get to the topic at hand, shall we? Okay, now that we spent 15 minutes uh, talking about Ben Affleck's back tattoo. Did we really? God damn. No wonder nobody listens to this podcast. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is from Mitch. So generally speaking, Mitch is talking about comedies or action films. The kind of like films that are your... Broader genres. You know, $100 million in the in the theaters, stars, your or hell, your, your, the rock. I wouldn't even say that. Uh, it's It's not necessarily about that it's more about that the movies a, are a for sh- a broad audience yeah. they're not for a niche audience gotcha. fair enough fair enough that's true that's true they're not for like like people like action fan uh, like action movies they're action film fans but they're not to the point where they're like hardcore like horror films it's not such a niche because you could have action horror you could have action romance it, it's yeah. it's like you said it's very broad I, I think a lot of times with action movies in particular and comedies, to be honest, like you're following the brand of the person whose work you like. So like growing up, I loved Jackie Chan movies. Mm-hmm. So I like went out of my way to find Jackie Chan, like new Jackie Chan movies. Mm-hmm. Or if you're into like Bruce Lee or like whoever, what's that guy's name? Why can't I think of his name? But the Ip Man guy. Good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony. Is it Tony something? I don't know. Or on the comedy side, if you like Judd Apatow movies, or if you like Todd Phillip movies. Yeah, um, Seth Rogen, those, you know, whatever. Seth Rogen, those kind of... And then th- those are all kind of very similar movies, but like, just as, like those are the biggest names in comedy that have a kind of style that uh, was something you could put your finger on and be like, that's the kind of movie I like. There's, you go back in times, you know, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin type films. Like, yes. there's just exactly. a way you could be like, hey, this is what I like. In that regard... Those broader genres typically tend to follow the personalities or the the creators who kind of gel with your your preferences. But how does that translate from larger budget studio type properties to someone who is creating indie films and trying to build an audience for themselves? I think that mm-hmm. is the question of the day. Yeah. So. Yeah. Fair question indeed, Mitch. Fair question indeed. So I think the first thing one would have to do is figure out what are the actual goals for building the audience, right? So like, are we talking 
you want to build an audience to sell a single movie. Like you've created this movie yeah. and you want to build an audience so that you can sell directly to them. Are you trying to create an audience for yourself as a brand on your type of comedy or action or whatever so that you can present your audience with multiple movies of the same type, like a Tyler Perry scenario mm -hmm. where you're very well known for like a, a specific genre and type of movie and people really like coming back for that same type of movie. What is uh what is the what is the Tyler Perry genre brand? Cross-dressing. Uh, oh. oh. <laughs> that's completely right. Um, I didn't know. <laughs> Geriatric cross-dressing. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's hard for me, like, I, not to, like, pigeonhole anyone, but, like, we like horror films, right? Not to say that we don't like other types of films and not to say that we don't write other types of films or want to write other types of films. So to me, it's very hard, especially in this industry, to say you're going to do a one-off film and not try and build your brand because if you do a good comedy, you're probably going to get more opportunities at doing good comedies. We, I went to a Q&A with the writers of the – God, it was a horror film that was a remake from Japan, The Grudge. Oh, the yes, Grudge. The Grudge. And so they had wrote The Grudge. The, they adapted it for American cinema. And then – the guy, they were writing partners, and then the guy came up with a movie called Red, and it was uh, a movie about a guy who's these bunch of bullies, uh, neighborhood bullies, kill his dog, and he's an old man, and he enacts revenge. And his writing partner was like, dude, like this isn't a horror film. Like, What are you doing? He's like, this is a movie I wanted to write. And it, I think in this industry, it's so hard for people to understand, like, why wouldn't you build a brand? Because you're going to get more opportunities. The, the thing that Hollywood likes to do is rehash things, and that rehashing is if you're good at comedy, they're going to want you to keep doing comedy. And so I think it's – I think if you want to make a career out of this, you've got to think of it as building your brand for comedy because you're going to have to make – if you want to do something, you're going to have to make two or three comedies before you're given the freedom to make something that's completely out of your wheelhouse from what they've seen before. So I think we should definitely – look at like building the audience in terms of your brand because a one-off movie is great but i guess if you're doing it independently it doesn't matter if you do a one-off but if you're looking to do a career you're going to be pigeonholed right from the get-go so i think you should focus on building your audience for your type of movie your brand because that is probably what you're going to be more likely to do in the future yeah and not only that like i think while it's very likely that people are good at multiple things. It's unlikely that every that there's people, a lot of people out there who could just like freely jump back and forth and nail like every genre, right? So like yeah. even if you are like a horror filmmaker and you venture into comedy, you could like straddle that as your brand without venturing off into like period drama necessarily like yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, you can do... Your brand could be, like, this assortment of horror and comedy and, like, a combination of the two, like a hybrid type thing. But I I just think that before you build a brand, one might have to, like, sell a, a movie. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you may be in the process of building a brand, but at the same time trying to promote a singular project, and you should be able to do both. Yeah, no, I get that. I, it's going to come up, I think, more in terms of when we get to later when we talk about things in terms of, like, how do you promote yourself and your movie to build that audience? Because I think if you're an unknown, you've got to have a kind of track record for somebody to take a chance at you. Hollywood doesn't take chances. That's why they do reboots and sequels because they take what's worked. And so I get what you're saying is that, like, you could, but it's so hard to say your brand is. Oh, I do comedies and horrors because that's just not how it really works. Like they don't like, they don't like the risk of like giving like a feel good drama to a guy who did a superhero movie. That's not to say that it hasn't happened, but I think that like building your brand for one movie, you'd be not wasting your time, but you'd be. It would be not the best use of your time if you weren't trying to build your overall brand. And if you like, if your first movie is a comedy, you probably like doing comedy. So you're probably going to want to do more comedy. So build your brand rather than just 
this is my one-off movie. You can do both, like you said, but I think you got to really focus on building your brand to build that audience because you're probably going to do a little more comedies in the future if that's the first movie. Yes. First of all, I'd like to point out that I think we're talking about two kind of different things. Like you're talking about like how the uh, the industry is going to accept you. I'm talking about working outside of the industry. Like if you were to build an audience so that you could create your stuff and like build an audience almost like a Patreon or something, right? So that you could continue mm-hmm. to build to like make your the things that you want to make. You don't necessarily care about how <laughs> the industry is going like what opportunities the industry is going to give you in that regard true, but I th- because the goal is trying to build a- an audience for that reason true but i think that even if you have a patreon you're gonna you're not gonna get as many people if you are jumping from comedies to horror and all that you're gonna get people who unsubscribe because they're like i like comedies like i i don't like horror like there's a lot of people who are turned off by horror and so i think that like even if you're building a Patreon, you got to realize what your brand is because that's what you're selling yourself a little bit with, even if you're selling a singular movie. Yes, I think you're correct in that either way, what you're selling is yourself, which is a brand. But I guess what I'm saying is the difference be- between like the option of saying like, oh, hey, Finn, uh, the option of saying, <laughs> you heard that? the option of saying like, I have this movie because not everyone yeah. wants to be like a YouTuber, right? Not everyone wants to like maintain a like Patreon membership. So like if you have this project you want to make and the goal is to make that project and sell it and you're trying to do it outside of the realm of the studios because like, let's be honest, if you're going to pitch a studio on a project, having like 20,000 followers or something isn't really going to make that big of a difference. Yeah, that's true. So... What I'm saying is there is a scenario in which one might want to build an audience specifically for a single project because they don't want necessarily to... And for example, that audience could be crystal-loving spiritualists, right? Like for this one particular movie. And that's like Mm -hmm. who the movie's targeting, but that's not... Like you're not planning on making movies specifically for crystal-loving spiritualists, even if it's like a comedy... Like, it's irrelevant if it's a comedy or if it's a, a horror. Like, you could have a, a movie for crystal-loving spiritualists that's a horror. You could have a movie that's for crystal-loving spiritualists that's a comedy. Um, but yeah, now, but now you're getting specific, so we're talking about broad stuff. I think if it's something where it – if it's something that's so broad like a comedy or a action film, I don't think you can easily target people like a horror film because – or like you said, like crystal-loving people – because I think it's trying to – how am I trying to say this? Like you're, you went very specific on your crystal-loving people. And I, I don't think that's what Mitch is asking because he's just talking about a broad comedy. How do I get people who like comedies to watch my film? Because it's hard to target people who like comedies because it's so broad. Correct. And that's my answer is that you don't target people that love comedies okay. because everybody loves comedies. Like period. So like – but not everyone's going to love your comedy. So like that's true. So that's what the difference is. Like even if it's a broad genre, and let's be real, like horror is a broad. It's about how you sell it, you know. Because that's a good point. I mean, you could break down any comedy and put it into specifics. Pineapple Express. Yeah. People love their weed. Exactly. Knocked see, up like, for like okay. new parents or something, right? So like, you could, and this is like again, I'm talking way more for like an indie filmmaker who has a project that they're trying to get in front of people, right? Like. Because this is all moot if you have a studio behind you. Like, they're going to deal with it. Like, they're going to market it. Mm-hmm. And you can do, yeah. you know, whatever you want to, like, try to help it along. But at the end of the day, like, they've got it covered. So, yeah. uh, if you have a movie that you're trying to get in front of people, and it's a broad genre, I would, my first step would be to narrow, like, figure out who the real audience is and narrow it down. Because the real audience isn't everyone, and it, it shouldn't be. Because you're going to waste so much money advertising to everyone. You know what I mean? No, I get that. I get that. So I guess my question is then, and maybe this is more also what Mitch was asking is like, then how do you go across the aisle and get people who just like a good comedy? Like, like say it's like knocked up, and mm-hmm. you're going to target your people who are first time parents or people who are pregnant or people who did get knocked up, but. I could tell you that 
something like Judd Apatow's Knocked Up didn't just appeal to people who were pregnant, first-time parents, got knocked up, that kind of thing. Yes. So I guess the question is, how do you extend it beyond just finding the specific niche that is that comedy and then going from there and being like, you know what? Instead, I, I want people who just love comedies in general because that's the ideal audiences because then you can get people you, you can the chances of a profit on your movie are greater if you say you know what i'm not just going to target crystal loving people i'm going to target comedy lovers how do i do that i honestly think that's a pipe dream that's like a fiction that's not going to happen i think what the difference is like with every movie there's multiple uh, like target audiences okay and so the key to me would be figuring out exactly who the target audiences are and all the different ones that exist and targeting them specifically and then seeing which ones pan out the best and like doubling down on those. Cause at the end of the day, the goal is really not to like, yes, it, it is like for vanity reasons. You want it like it to appeal to everyone and you want like mm -hmm. it to like go blow up and get huge or whatever. But like, at the end of the day, if the goal is really to like be profitable, then you don't need to try to like go after this giant audience of like everyone because that is going to end up kind of sinking you, I think, if you do. Because, because you can't, it, it's just like the way I look, it, it, like for an analogy, right? Like this is a kind of a silly analogy. If you have like a barrel of M&Ms, and there's 20 different colors of M&Ms, right? You're talking my language, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I eat them all. There's a, there's a barrel of M&Ms, 20 different colors, all yep. scattered about. Yeah. If we can like say that green M&Ms are the ones that are going to buy the movie. If you dunk mm -hmm. your hand in and pull out a bunch of M&Ms, you might get some green ones. But there's going to be a lot of these, the 20, like the, the 19 other colors. But if you, instead you have a barrel that's just four colors, you're going to like get way more green M&Ms. You know what I'm saying? That's the idea. I get, I get, yeah, I get that. I guess the question becomes is if you're going to do, if you're going to pro promote your movie paying or if you're just going to do free viral like advertising, because again, if it's free and it's just your time, why not have the barrel of M&Ms because you could hit people who may not fit into your green and still buy it. Like, like, there's also that idea that, like, the, the way you make your movie the most profitable is that you have more than just the green M&Ms buy it, and so you market it to the other M&Ms as well. But I think the key is, like, the key is do, is marketing it to, like, all these different M&Ms, let's say, and <laughs> determining which ones <laughs> are the ones that. that buy it. So, like, yeah. if you target, if you go for Knocked Up and you target, like, like the weed-loving stoners who are, like, 18 years old, and they don't really go for it. Like, why would yeah. you continue marketing it to them? Like, you shouldn't. That's true. That's true. And so, That's to true. me, it's about, like, like carving out these groups. And, yeah, you can do, like, a ton of groups if you want to. But like, and you test it and see who responds. And you, like, take out the ones that don't. And you double down on the ones that do. And then all of a sudden, you're, like, I don't know, making... That might, and that might be the best the best way to go at it is when you said finding your audience. Maybe you start super specific and then broaden it and see if it, it works out. Um, and if it doesn't, you pull it back a little bit. Because I think to be super successful, you if you want a movie, especially an independent film, and you're a no-name, you've got to hope that it's going to go beyond your niche audience. Because if it doesn't, I don't think there's, especially in like a comedy or action, there's not sub niches i guess you could say that are big enough that could like yeah. like propel your movie to to profitability there's um, not like super fandom like around said, like weird sub niches of comedy exactly jackie chan is jackie chan because he's a star but you're not going to have jackie chan in your movie yours is going to be a topic thing and even if you have somebody that you can afford that is there for one day of shooting and you spend twenty thousand dollars on them they're not going to have enough people that will buy your movie just to see that person in it for half the movie um, totally. And again, like, I think um, the reason I'm leaning more towards that type of scenario is because if you are, again, like, if you're working within the confines of the traditional studio, not only studio, but just like the film industry system, and you're like, okay, 
you've got like a sales agent on board prior to even like finishing the film mm -hmm. and they're selling it to yeah. distributors. Like the distributors are the audience in that scenario and you don't yeah. have to worry about it. Yeah. You know? I guess I was, I guess I was more saying is that like not so much working in the studio system, but more so like every film is almost like a calling card to your next job. And it, you're probably going to get your job based on what your film did. And how, like, not even if it did well, but just what it was like somebody who did a comedy is going to probably get, if they're going to try and get out of just fun, self-funding movies, they're going to probably get into the realm of whatever their last movie was and find somebody who thinks you could pull it off because you did it once before. And that's where I went more. More in terms of, like, if you come up with a brand, you're probably going to get hired to do something after your independent film in that same realm. So why not build your brand up of who you are as a filmmaker as a calling card? But I do think that, like you said, if you are trying – if it's a pretty broad topic or genre – the best way to, is to boil down your movie to niche groups. And there is there are things out there, message boards, Facebook groups, Twitter people. Like there's way there's tons of stuff out there for as weird as the niche is, there's a documentary about tickling videos. There's ways to get in touch with people no matter how very secluded, I guess you could say, the niche is, or very how limited the niche is. Like yeah. and you start there. And if you find success there, broaden it a little bit and then keep broadening it and to see how far you can go, especially if you're spending your own money on marketing, to capture more of an audience that may not fit the, the niche that is very specific. Yeah. And there's like theories, right? Like I'm sure there's a sweet spot, but there's theories mm -hmm. about find like it's on an independent level, being more specific with your niche is probably better. Right. Like if you want to make a broad comedy that everyone would would like, but at the same time, it's like really it's a movie that's for people that are into tickling or whatever. Right. Like how many movies are made for that that particular group? Probably not very many. So like that group sure. would be excited that a movie was finally made for them. God, we are talking about Eminem's and tickling in the same podcast. I know. It's right pretty now. great. Uh, uh, but like <laughs> a common yeah. uh, concept in marketing is building like an avatar for your ideal customer. So like if you- Yeah, but that's a billion dollars. Like that movie was a billion dollars. Like we're not building- Avatar, that. I know. Nailed it. I know. Nailed it. Oh, so on. like if you, if you were like my ideal audience for a movie, mm -hmm. it would probably be about beer. Oh, oh God, here it goes. This is gonna be great. Go ahead. It would probably be about a disgruntled dad, a sad dad okay. perhaps. That might oh, even yeah. be the Nailed title. It. No, but it's like you. what you do is you like boil down the entire the movie that you're trying to sell to like a single person and you give that person a name and you identify like what his life is like or hers and like what their hobbies are, like what their interests are, what they do, like all these things to like who the like if this movie was to be made for a single person, it would be this person. And then from there, yeah. it's like so specific that you can um, then start really drilling into all these different things. So like your ideal customer, it's not just like a person that likes tickling, like people are more complex than that, but like there's like other <laughs> aspects that you can like mine mm -hmm. to get your uh, movie in front of people that might be interested in it because they fit this profile of like an ideal customer. And this is, uh, this is definitely changed in the last five to 10 years because this avatar and these keywords now are marketing tools bef like they've never been before. Cause you can market on Facebook and Twitter and all these based on keywords and Google yeah. based on keywords. Before it was like this avatar of like the suburban dad. So it's like, okay, let's, let's advertise in the suburbs and blah, blah, blah. But now it's like so specific. It's like you go to Facebook or you go to Google and like, okay, what do you, what pages do you want to advertise on? I was like, I want somebody who eats barrels of M&Ms and likes tickling. And if they search for M&Ms or tickling that they're, my movie ad is going to pop up and it's like, oh shit. So like the avatar is even more important now because you could boil it down in terms of search terms and keywords than you be better than you've ever been able to before. And not only that, um, but like you can negate keywords too. So it's like, yeah, you could say, I want someone who's super into tickling, but hates M&Ms. Like they don't want anything to do with M&Ms. And so like, that's a more specific person. But then also with Facebook, the, the crazy thing about that is you can tap into other people's audiences, right? So like if mm -hmm. there's a group out there 
that has like 250,000 members. That's for tickling. <laughs> this is our, our, our masterpiece <laughs> oh, yeah. tickling movie. And so the there's tickling. this, yeah, the tickling. Horror movie, oh, damn. <laughs> there's, this, there's this audience out there that's in a Facebook group that's got 250,000 people. You can, in the ads uh, manager of Facebook, you can say, I want to target these people in the group. But not only that, I want you, Facebook, to use all the data that you've harvested for the past 20 years and send me other people that aren't in this group but fit this exact profile of people that would be in this group. So, like, similar people. And you can, yeah. like, get millions and millions of people to target from that group, even if it's just got, like, a few thousand people in it. It doesn't have to have 200. Yeah. But, like, have Facebook's, like, crazy algorithms and all their, like, massive data that they've accumulated do the heavy lifting for you that this, like, particular weird sort of or not weird, like whatever you're into, like group is what the focus is. And then go, it can expand from there and you can find like other people and broaden your audience that way through the algorithms. Basically use to your advantage what everyone hates about Facebook, that they have all everyone's information. Like use that to your advantage because yeah. you may, <laughs> God, I just, I love this analogy so much. You may walk down the street or you know what, your friend that you've known for over a decade that you went to film school with and have a business with and mm -hmm. basically tell everything to, yeah. you may not know that he really likes tickling, but I Facebook I didn't probably know that, does. No. Facebook does. Facebook knows. So does <laughs> yes, Google. Alex, everything. So yeah. does Google. Yeah. So to backtrack to where we started, like first, if this is a one movie, off, even if it's a one off movie, it's still part of your brand because it, it, you made it and it's what you feel is funny and what you feel is attractive to an audience. So it still is your brand, even if it's just a one off movie or if it's a recurring set of movies like Judd Apatow, his movies are all over the map, but they're still a style to it. And, and, and that is how you write and that's how you create the movie. And that's still your brand. Figure out your audience, boil it down to the most specific points you can. Tickling, likes M&M's, sad dad, mm -hmm. drinks a lot of beer. Um, one dog, one son. One dog, one son, constantly thinks about running away. Do it like that because you have the tools at your disposal now for pretty cheap to boil it down that, that distinctly, to boil it down that specifically to where you can, you can target the specific people and then start there. And then slowly build outwards, slowly to see if you can get people who might be interested in just like, it's the idea of like people jumping on Twitter or Facebook and be like, all right, I really can't find anything on Netflix. Can anybody recommend anything to me? So Eminem loving tickling dad who wants to leave his house and leave his wife, kid and dog behind would recommend your movie to someone else. Yeah, exactly. And then slowly broaden your horizons. Totally. So that's the deal too is like, you target your specific audience that's more of a safe bet, right? Because like you're dealing with, in my fictional world of this scenario, you're dealing with your own money, right? So like if you're going to spend your $10, you want to spend that $10 wisely to get the most out of it versus just like shotgunning it out there and trying to see what it hits. But if you... That's why go for the, the sure bets and rate horses. They don't want yes. to waste their money. They'd rather make $12 on a $10 bet than mm -hmm. risk it all and... and even if the chances of winning $600. But if you, if you do that and you drill down on a singular target niche and it happens to be a project that is broad, you're right. Like people will like to start talking about it word of mouth. Like if it's a quality project that a lot of people would like, and it is like a broad comedy or whatever, eventually people are going to be like, did you see that movie? It, it's like really funny. Like you should watch it. And because it is, appealing to everyone but what you're doing is like focusing on targeting the best audience and making the most efficient use of your money so that you can uh reap the benefits of all yeah. that exponentially as they say yep no i couldn't agree more that, that is a good thing you like you want to optimize your spend basically the best way you can go and then we're going to get into that right now if you're going to spend your money you paid ads you just you're paying Facebook, you're paying Google to put up your movie poster, to put up your movie site whenever somebody hits your keywords. And that's why you have to optimize your spend. You want to make sure that you're hitting people that are more likely to buy your movie or rent your movie than other people. Mm -hmm. And that's why you, you like we said, you boil down your avatar to 
the dad that wants to leave his family has a dog, a son, and yeah. likes to drink beer, likes M&M's, likes tickling. But then there's also ways to build your audience without spending too much, and that's like going on. So say say it's the it's the old Hollywood trope of like my movie's like a mix between Jaws and Lethal Weapon. Yeah. And so if that's how you if that's how you describe your film, then go to like fan groups of those specific films because there are like people. There are weird love like people have weird like obsessions with f- specific movies. Like there's most movies you can find a fan group for it. Yeah. So go there and say, "Hey guys, if you really like Jaws, you might like my movie because it's all like Jaws meets Lethal Weapon." Or go to a Lethal Weapon fan group and say, "Hey guys, if you like Lethal Weapon, you might like my movie because it's a mix between Lethal Weapon and Jaws." And that's a one way. It's the same with documentaries. People say that they like when they go to do a documentary, they become a part of the community. I had a professor at USC who did a documentary on domestic dispute, uh, domestic abuse, and through his like interacting with people to try and get word out for his documentary, he ended up becoming the president of uh, a center for women who were victims of domestic dis- uh, violence. And treat it the same way. Go out there and become a m- member of the communities that your movie is most like. And it won't seem like you're selling them something. It'll seem like, hey, guys, I made this because I like this type of movie, and so you might like my movie. Exactly. Totally. And the, the interesting thing, too, is like Facebook, I don't know if you remember, you, you probably did it if you've been on Facebook for a long time. Early on, they asked you like what movies you liked and what books you read. That's true. And so there is a list somewhere on your profile, probably buried. I don't even know if it's still active. But they asked you at one point what movies you like. And so... Mm-hmm. You can, you can actually target like Lethal Weapon fans because there is a certain number of people that actually raised their hand digitally and said, I like Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. So like that, that's totally possible. Totally possible. Yeah. And then like you said, there's just so many, there's so many places out there that already exist where people hang out that like certain things. And it doesn't have to be specifically exactly your thing. Uh, but like... Uh, a community of people that just share similar interests and might like it. And you, like Trevor said, you join the group and you become very active in it and you start posting and sharing cool things and people in the group start recognizing you and they're like, ah, and they start engaging with your posts. Um, And then all of a sudden you're like, Hey guys, I'm a huge fan of lethal weapon and I really like that type of movie. And I really want to make it make a movie that's in that same style and genre and has that action and comedy and like all that kind of stuff so i'm gonna do that and make the group part of the process and you get them involved from the beginning and so then they're they're more invested in your movie once it's done and so like that's another way like when you talk about people online it's called traffic and they always say like the traffic exists out there it's just a matter of like diving in front of it and so like if there is a place that exists out there with your specific target audience and there's already people going there, all you have to do is dive in front of it, basically. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you. Podcasting from home, you got your dog banging on his bowls, trying to get food or water. Oh, man. Kid crying. Oh, man. at your wife. See, guys, this, these movies are just for me. So the other thing, oh, though, I'd like to point out is it's super important, in my opinion not just to figure out who the audience is, to, but to figure out what the audience wants. And, yeah. then, and then you have to deliver it. Otherwise, like, you're just another like, random indie project. So like, for action movies, right? Like, what do action lovers want? They want like, the backflips off the things. They want like, yeah. the bone breaking. They want like, the crazy gunplay and all that stuff. So like, if your movie doesn't deliver on that, like you're, it's not your movie's not going to perform the way you want it to, and it's the same with horror, right? Like, what do horror fans want? Like, they, do they want more gore? Or like, do they want like random like spook? They want to see the scariest thing they've ever seen. Like, that's what yeah. they want. So, like, deliver on that. And it's if especially if you're doing this as one of your first films and you're doing this independently. Now is not a time to have too much pride because you don't want to say, like, I don't care about what they want. I'm going to do it my way. Or I don't care. Like, it's – look at the trends. Like, me and Alex have oh – man, I, we have, like, 35 script ideas. And as we're going through them, I have 
I've said like Alex, like, hey, what what script should uh, we work on next? And it does it means a lot, and it's thoughtful to think about. Like, I will be like, oh, we should do this one, Alex. Like, you know what? Creature horror is not people don't really want that right now. And you're like, I'm not gonna t- let the audience dictate what I make. You have to, especially when you're doing it independently and maybe your first film or you're funding it your own. Because at the end of the day, it needs to be profitable so you don't go bankrupt. Like Alex said, you've got to know what your audience likes and wants and provide that to them, even if you want to like say that I'm not going to do that because I'm a filmmaker and I make the movies I want. Well, then you're not going to make that many movies because nobody's going to buy them and then you're going <laughs> to have to go to a boring-ass job. I hate yeah. to break it to you. That's just the, the truth of the industry. So but, swallow your pride a little bit and just do some research on what people like. Like, yeah. like if it's an action film – backflips, kicks, gunshots, a beautiful woman in dis- in distress, that's not going to kill your movie. That's not going to like completely change your movie where it's not your vision anymore. It's just going to entice more people that come and want to buy it. And then guess what? You, your movie's profitable and you get to make another one. And then maybe down the line, it's the Steven Spielberg thing. It's like he made all these movies and then he was at a point where he said, even Steven Spielberg had to take no salary for Schindler's List, even though that's the movie he wanted to make because they're like, we're not going to fund this because it's not what people want. And he's like, you know what? I won't take a salary for this. I just want to make this. That's later down the line. So swallow your pride a little bit. Know what people want in the type of movie you're making and just put it in there. It's not a sellout. It's not anything like that. It's just you're providing because it's entertainment. What you're making is entertainment. And yeah. so why not provide the best entertainment for your audience? And also it's about expectations, right? Like nothing would be worse, honestly, than going yeah. to an act like – Going to what you think is an action movie and then having no action in it. Like that's I know, right? And and most of the times like the things that your audience wants, it's like not it's not rocket science. Like it's all like normal stuff. Like the stuff that makes makes action movies is what they want. They just want it executed. They want like spectacle yeah. that they haven't seen before or like a like it done in like an interesting way. Like that's where it's difficult. That's where the creativity comes in and like but at the end of the day, like you are making that genre, so like of course you're gonna you're gonna work within like the confines of that genre, and maybe yeah you'll expand on them or like venture out and like do some experimental stuff if you want. But like at the same time, you can't like stray so far off the path that it's no longer an action movie. Otherwise, you wouldn't then target an action movie fan. Like yeah, but then at the, at the other end of the spectrum, like going off what you were just saying too, Trevor, if you are working within like a more traditional system as I have a helicopter going over and there's ninjas (laughs) dropping down. Yes. What a great action film. If you are working in the more like traditional system, you can think about these same things, these exact same things, but the audience is going to be way different. It's not going to be the people watching it. It's going to be the distributors. So then you got to think about like, and that's, that goes back to the comment Trevor was saying about like creature films, right? Like that concept was an idea that like distributors at that point in time, weren't really interested in creature films. And so like Trevor and I went to AFM last year and we found out that haunted house films are just not really wanted at, they weren't wanted unless it was like a Jason Blum coming with it. But like for your indie films, like there's just too many of them or like found footage. It's like sometimes things get over, overdone, oversaturated and like the industry gets tired of them. So you have to like know that. And that's part of like building your audience for that. If you're going that route is understanding like what the audience, AKA the distributors and the sales agents want and working within that at that given point in time. And if you're doing something as broad as a comedy or a action film, you can stay within this idea of what the audience wants without drastically changing your film because it is such a broad genre. Horror is very specific in terms of slasher creature, supernatural. They're like, that changes the outlook of your script and your movie. But when it's something so broad like an action or a comedy, your script can hit tick all the boxes that distributors or just an audience are looking for without it without you feeling like you're selling out or you're just doing you're just making like a, a vanilla script that you just want to sell and whatever. It doesn't matter. You don't get to be creative about it. That's the joy of being able to do comedies and and action films. And then you can put your own spin on it and it's still a comedy and action that you can sell to people who like those type of movies. Totes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else did we write? We got, so you wrote Collecting. So explain this one to me. Did I write that or did you write that? I didn't write that. Oh, I did write that because I was about <laughs> to... I didn't finish writing it. I'll do it. In the 
I, I talk about this over and over again, I feel like, but within okay. the concept of you being a person who's trying to build your own audience that you can market your films to or whatever, and that, or like your singular film, a crucial part of it is collecting real data because you can build your your audience all you want on like a platform right like on tiktok or whatever but you don't own that data and tiktok taketh away actually more importantly what vine giveth vine taketh away exactly that's like the example that comes up over and over again but not only that drastic right like so let's say yeah vine went away completely but there's other ways you can get screwed over by a platform mm -hmm. for example like on Instagram, right? Like if you built up this huge Instagram following for your videos and then all of a sudden Instagram's like, you know what? Like we want, we don't want to do videos on our regular Instagram platform anymore. It's only for pictures. And so now like you have this huge following on like this picture platform that you've built up making videos. And now you have to like try to figure out how to transition them to a different platform that has videos. And like, like there's so many different things yeah. that could happen, right? Cause you have no control over it. It's not mm -hmm. your platform. It's not your data. And so ideally what you would do is get people off those platforms as quickly as possible and into your own sort of, your own sort of audience. Like whether you contact them via email or if you actually is the best way, because as far as I can tell, email is not really going away and you get like there's a lot of different tools you can use to track things like clicks, open rates, and you can really optimize the way that you're marketing to people via email. Um, and not only that, but you can use the emails to actually target your, your marketing efforts on like a platform like Facebook. You can upload an email list directly to Facebook and say, I want to target these specific people. Not only that, I want to target people that are like these people. And you can build an audience that way for marketing. It's almost like if there was a service that filmmakers could use to sell their movies that would let them keep the data of their customers. Yeah, if only that existed, that would be perfect. <laughs> but like Not to toot, toot our own horn or to really push what we're trying to create, but that's one reason we did create uh, Filmshake.com is because we realized that a lot of filmmakers, when they put a movie on Amazon, they have no idea who's buying their movie. They may have a name, but that's it. And then they can never go back to them and say, hey, I'm making another movie. You liked my last one. You bought it. Maybe you didn't like it, but you bought it. So I'm going to take a chance and think that you're going to like this one too. Yeah. Because that is so very important. And like, if you sell your movie to Netflix, if you sell it to Amazon, if you put it on iTunes, Google Play, you don't get that information because that's gold to them. Because then they can put other movies in front of those people that they get a bigger cut from. And so that's why we created Filmshake because we wanted to give the power back to the filmmakers on being able to build an audience outside of these platforms that just hold the data so tightly and don't let you see behind the wizard's curtain. Yeah. And not only that, but like the platforms that aren't made for that type of interaction, right? Like, so you can work really hard and get like a million followers on uh, YouTube, but that doesn't mean that it's going to translate into people buying your movie because mm -hmm. that's not what YouTube is made for. That's not like... Yeah, you can like keep making videos and trying to like promote it in the front end of the video or at the back end or in the middle and say like, yeah, oh, yeah, I shot. But like, that's not the best way to reach people. That's not trackable per se. You can't yeah. see how many people like got to that point in the video and clicked it, clicked on the link in your description and all that kind of stuff. So like, there are some kind of like complicated like ways you can try to like track things and stuff. It does exist and and I'm sure there's going to be more ways to try to do that in the future, but like trying to uh, cobble something together that wasn't meant to be can become very frustrating, especially when you're doing it on multiple platforms. So like our concept with Filmshake is to create your platform, build your brand, build your, start building your audience from the beginning on a platform that's meant for that type of marketing, that type of sales, and that type of interaction between you and the audience that you're building. So yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. mean for this to be to become like a an episode about film shake, but I guess it did. No, yeah, exactly. It just it, that's it's funny, but that's the reason we created it is because we saw this kind of void in like helping filmmakers out from 
building their career and building their audience and building their brand. And that's why we made it. I say we, but Alex was really the, the idea man behind it. So all hats off to Alex. I mean, we can get, we, we can talk to film shake. We can talk about film shake later. That's this episode is not a big advertisement. And so I hate to make it into one, but that is one reason we made that is so that the power is in the filmmakers hands to reach out to people and keep their fans happy, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting, we are very passionate about the industry particularly the independent film industry. We do think that there's not a lot of support out there and tools meant specifically for indie filmmakers. There's becoming more. And these platforms like Vimeo, On Demand, or like Amazon, like there's a lot of great stuff out there. But from what we saw, it wasn't exactly what we wanted. Trevor and I are control freaks. Me especially, I will go ahead and say. And especially when it comes to stuff like this, if we're building a business around our like passion and our art form, like these movies that we want to make, if we're building a business around that, we don't want to be beholden or like at the mercy of someone where it could just all crumble. Because like you've discovered probably in this episode, Trevor has a family to feed. Um, and I do too very soon. So we don't want to, we don't want to uh, risk it on something that can yeah. be taken away for no reason. Exactly. And finally, in the realm of things that are free, utilize YouTube, utilize Vimeo, utilize a lot of the file sharing sites, out, video sharing sites out there, only because they, like, if you're going to do a comedy, people love watching comedy on YouTube, just random crap, like, and random action scenes. Like, if you do a sweet-ass action scene as a test, and throw it up on YouTube, and you can build an audience for people who look at that and be like, wait a second, I really like this. Is this guy have a movie out? That'd be cool. Or, like, it doesn't even need to be a short. Just throw something on there. Do some sketches. Do, do a scene from your comedy comedy script, uh, from your comedy feature, and put it up there. And that's a good way to be able to tell people, hey, and because YouTube allows you to rent mo- movies, you can turn those people right into somebody renting your movie or buying it on, vi- on YouTube or Vimeo. Utilize YouTube. Utilize it for a lot of practice, um, hosting scenes, random action scenes, random comedy. It's a great little tool because people spend a lot of time on YouTube just randomly looking for stuff and find things that they normally wouldn't find if they were on Facebook or something like that. So go on YouTube. Yeah. Some of your things that you've written, some of your sketches, some shorts on YouTube for comedy. It gives you some chance to shoot stuff, which is always like a creative, invigorating juice flow kind of thing. And just put it out there and see what people think. And then from there, if people like that, you probably have a good shot that they are going to like your feature if it's in the same realm. And then you, you have those people that you can reach out to and say, hey, rent or buy my movie. Totally. I think it's definitely an important thing to note that we're not opposed to these platforms like in their entirety i think the thing about that you have to like realize is like use the platforms for their strengths like youtube is a search engine like at its core right like that's what it is best at is delivering people content that they're searching for it's not best at communicating directly with those people it's not best at sales right so like if you yeah. can incorporate these platforms into a strategy, that's the idea is like figuring out what each platform, what each like avenue is best at, um, using it for that reason, and then strategically getting them into your own system and your own audience that you can contact directly. That's like the most ideal situation in my mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Like, Exploit the free services for the best that you can and don't, but don't depend on them solely because they have no loyalty to you and they will cut you out as soon as they don't need you anymore. Or if their platform changes, which they think is best and you're on the other end and you're screwed, they don't care. Um, yeah. So and not only that, like you can, we've come across a lot of people or not, not a lot of people, but like early on in like this whole influencer game, like social influencer, there was this concept that like having all these followers like equaled money, like dollar signs. And so like there was this idea that was floating around in the industry for a while where it was like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to hire influencers to like do con to like make stuff 
make TV shows or like be in movies yeah. and it's going to translate to dollar signs at the other. And it just didn't happen because like, again, who knows like what percent of those million followers are actually like real people. A right. It, it's just like this kind of strange thing and it's just not the best way, but it is, they are good platforms. They're good for organic traffic, people searching things. They're free, which is obviously good. And there are other benefits. Advertise. You can advertise on YouTube as well and use their data that they've gathered through Google and all that kind of stuff. So like, there's a ton of benefits out there. Utilize everything at your disposal. But I think to sum it up, if you're going to build an audience on your own for your own projects, the idea being you target your niche down as specific as possible and branch out from there. Get those people onto your own platform so that you can continue to market to them over and over again throughout the whole stage of the process. Not only that, but like get them involved in the process, engage with them as a real person, not as a company per se, and then take it away. Like that's, in my opinion, the future of indie filmmaking going in that direction. And I, th I'm, I don't know, I'm excited yeah. to see how it goes. I couldn't have said it better myself. Good summary. So right. uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com. Don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. If you have any filmmaking questions like Mitch did for this whole episode, ask away in the comments section and we will try to answer them. Also, if you're in the giving mood, head on over to nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash beer like our boy Brandon did and buy us a beer. Thank Thanks Brandon. again, Brandon. And we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. Also, don't forget to head on over to fearlessfilmmakers.com to join our growing community of filmmakers. Talk to us. Talk to other filmmakers. Have a ball. Shoot the shit. Enjoy yourself. And we will see you guys next time. Later.